Welcome back to the Eric Deems Show. I'm your host, Eric Deems. You can always reach me, chief, at ericdeemshow.com. I check those emails. I appreciate you sending them. While I don't always agree, I'll at least listen. And on the socials, at Eric Deems Show. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. As you know, Tuesdays we release the Eric Deems Show, a kind of a variety show segment on the things that I deem important, um, rooted in these values that I grew up with, this, this Midwestern pragmatism, really, this idea that cultural stewardship falls to each of us, these homegrown values, joy, peace, love, those things that are rooted deep inside of us, nurtured by the community around us. And I'm on a quest to protect that because I know the super majority of us here in these United States can relate to just that as we uh, are in a never-ending pursuit of life, liberty, and of course, happiness. I want to take you back to second grade for me, Mrs. Craig. That's right, Carol Ann Craig. May she rest in peace. Wonderful woman. I learned cursive from her. Well, she planted the seeds of cursive. I don't know how much I was really, how much cursive writing I was doing in the second grade. But I re- she had beautiful penmanship. I re- it's crazy the things you remember, right? Looking back, as I was in show prep, it was, uh, I remember she also had a student teacher that I absolutely hated. <laughs> I don't even remember her name. I just know I hated her that much. And um, I wanted Mrs. Craig. You know, don't change the system. I, I am in Mrs. Craig's class. What are you doing? So I remember vividly, right? We're in, in the classroom. Uh, well, of course, back then we also had, you know, every three feet apart in the desks. Um, oh, by the way, you don't have to wear the mask. This is a mask-free show. You take the mask off and uh, listen freely while you can breathe. Anyway. I'm sitting in the classroom, and we're learning the sheet of paper and what the sheet of paper means. If you hold up notebook paper, I remember doing this. We held it up to the light, and they said, oh, you see, there's a pink line on the left side. You never write to the left of the pink line. That is the margin. And holding it up to the light, you'll be able to see there's the pink line on the other side. Well, imagine that that one has come through. In fact, we actually took out our rulers and our number two pencils that uh, if you were like me, you used every opportunity to get up and go to the pencil sharpener just to be in front of the classroom. You You seized every opportunity like that. So I had the sharpest pencils of them all. And so you take the ruler, you put it there, and you trace the pink line on the back side of the sheet of paper. And there's the margin on the front. So now you have, what is it, an inch and a half or so? All around, maybe two inches, I don't know. Where you don't write in the margin. Folks, we are living in a time where... We are only focused on the margin in every aspect of life. And I want to take this episode to just encourage you that you don't need to be distracted. Do not be distracted 
by all of the puppets and the players out there forcing you to focus on the far edges and the margin. That's not where the meat and potatoes are. That's not where the real action is occurring. That's where the distractions occur, taking you away from the body. The body in the context of what's actually occurring. And if you don't believe me, let's think about this. Dating, jobs, politics, your relationships, what you think you can have. Everything is focused on the margin. I mean, leadership versus followership. Everybody's focused on the margin. Nobody's focused on doing the real work, the meaningful tasks needed to achieve. It's, let's just act like we can go straight to the end-all, be-all success, the margin. I'm amazed in the dating world of how this is the case. People dating, they want high-value men, high-value women. A high-value man is looking for a high-value woman. A high-value woman should be looking for a high-value man. What ends up happening is folks that are not high value because of what media, political woke narratives, whatever, what have you, it doesn't matter. Covers of magazines giving license to absurdities and unhealthy lifestyles, no less. Yes, I'm talking about the obese people on the front of covers acting like it's healthy. It's not healthy. If it makes you happy, great, but it's not healthy. We quit lying to people. We're telling everybody that you can be average, you can be mediocre, you can be less than, and still expect the upper echelon. You can still expect the margin. You could be on one side. We're looking at the bell curve, right? You could be on one side, and instead of looking where you are, you somehow feel entitled. This notion that you belong at the best, up and to the right, right? (laughs) I mean, politics is the easy thing here. Um, Today is Tuesday, and it's the 13th of April. I got my John Boehner book here on the house, and I've been looking forward to this book for a long time. And I've gone through it. I've just flipped through it. it. It literally arrived this morning, and I've enjoyed watching him go on the media press junket, you know, talking about the book, um, red glass of red wine in hand, no doubt the cigarette is in the other. I have a funny story about John. Let me, let me tell you this story real fast. Um, my wife and I went to Vanderbilt for an event, uh, and we both show up there. John Boehner is there speaking. He's, he's talking. He's a guest, part of the lecture series, and we're in the crowd, we're amongst a bunch of students and a few faculty members. We're both dressed. We'd come from work. I'm suit and tie. She's in a dress. Very business uh, attire. And at the end, I notice security flanking the stage. And I lean over and I say, we've got to catch him. Come with me. And of course, Amy, she's used to this by now. And so we race right up to the stage as if that's where we belong because it is where we belong. <laughs> Right, and I say, oh, thank you so much for being here to the uh, the kind officer who was there. She appreciated my graciousness. Let us ride on up 
And we walked right out a door, out the back of the stage, and there is John Boehner next to a limousine waiting to pull away. And sure enough, I knew, by the way, this talk, his talk had gone on for an hour and he hadn't had a cigarette. I said, this is a, he's never gone this long without a cigarette. He has 20, 17 minutes to 20 minutes max. This has to be done. You would always tell his motorcade in D.C. because his back right window would always be cracked ever so slightly and you'd see a cigarette just hanging out there. You'd go visit the speaker's balcony or the speaker's office in the Capitol building. You didn't even have to leave the rotunda and you knew whether or not he was there just by the smell of cigarette smoke. I love a man who is just so counter to what everybody thought he needed to be. He was true to himself. So we walk out the backstage door and sure enough, standing next to the car, not getting in, pulls out his pack of Camel cigarettes and lights one up. I say, Mr. Speaker, Eric Deems from Belpre, Ohio. Oh, I know where Belpre is. Get over here. And that's when he proceeded to offer me the cigarette. I said, no thanks. Of course, we're on the campus of Vanderbilt University, actually a medical center building. There is a sign that says VUMC is a tobacco-free campus. <laughs> and there he is. So he's lighting up. I introduce him to Amy and uh, great conversation. Um, and I ended up seeing him again, actually, a couple of years later. I happen to be in Vancouver, British Columbia. I'm walking uh, along the, the waterfront there, and there's John Boehner leaning up against <laughs> leaning up against a bench that's watching the, the air taxis take take off out of the water. Or the water t- wait is it? What is it? It's a it's a seaplane. So it's a seaport, that's right. Watching the planes come in and out on the water, and there's John Boehner. Wearing his crisp Brooks Brothers shirt with a cigarette in tow. And uh, went up. Speaker Banner, good to see you again. Did the whole refresher. He was up there because of his role in the cannabis world. Uh, He's on the board um, seizing opportunities. I digress. I wanted to get this book because it reminds me of a time in politics where pragmatism and the ability to get something done was celebrated. And now that is not even the case. You can't even... (sighs) Members don't know one another. All they do is bicker and fight back and forth on social media. The ones who really are trying to get things done, and they do exist, the fewer and farther between, unfortunately. But that that doesn't get the headlines. Achieving and accomplishing things based on ideological differences doesn't get the headlines. That's the body of the page. Instead, we're focused on the margin. What did Madison Cawthorn say lately? What did AOC say lately? And we just focus on these folks that are living out their civics class as members of Congress compared to those who are the statesmen and stateswomen, if you will, working to represent people, their constituents, instead of building a platform that they might be able to jump to and fro. You think of your job. You get a job, instead of focusing immediately where you are, 
I mean, I've been in a, a Fortune 500 company. I was in a Fortune 500 company charged with hiring, charged with firing, charged with recruiting and managing top-tier performers. And it was amazing as you would look at the different groups, right? There were the, the boomers, the millennials, and the Gen Zers just coming in there. Um, the Gen Xers, they kind of felt ignored, and understandably so. The boomers are so big. The millennials are so big. Boomers actually only held um, the, the high. So what happened was boomers left, and for about six months, and boomers held you know, majority of the workplace for so long. And then for about six months, Gen... Yeah, I said that right. Gen Xers had it. And then, for only six months, though, then the millennials are there. The millennials are still there. It's a huge group of people. And so millennials are ready to seize and attack and make things happen. And they're ready to be promoted six months in. The boomers know what it's like to start a career and wait six years before climbing to the next rung, which is outdated anymore. That's just not how the world works. And the Gen Xers are just so upset that they missed their time because the boomers waited so long, didn't give up their seat at the head of the table in time for the Gen Xer to come in. And now we've already moved on to the millennial. Or the millennial has just given up and gone and started their own company. Meanwhile, there's a whole business that needs to churn and go. But we don't focus on the average worker. We focus on the margins. We don't focus on the, the jobs that need to be done. We encourage people they can do anything. There's some things you just aren't going to be able to do. There's some things you're not wired to do. But if you go down that path too far, you're now criticized. Because, well, they're a victim of society or of their education or of their upbringing. And then we get in this perpetual cycle of victimhood, victimization, and entitlement that doesn't serve anybody. Meanwhile, I truly believe the vast majority of Americans are out here saying, I'm ready to just work and put my head down and hustle and get things done. Even if it's a nine to five, let me just work and take care of my family and be left alone. But those folks don't get the spotlight because they don't make the stories. Or how about every single graduation you go to, every commencement address, somebody gets up there and just screams at how you all are leaders, every single one of you. No, you're not. Sorry to bust your bubble. But when are we going to start learning about followership and the importance of knowing how to follow? It's one thing for everybody to lead, but that's in and of itself, I mean, it's impossible. And something with more than one head is a monster. So you need to understand followership and submission and authority. That's not a wrong thing. When people think they can have it all and they're just average, they haven't put in the work or they're below average. Maybe they're above average, but they're not the best. They haven't put in the 10,000 hours to become expert. Feeling entitled at the head seat of the table. Feeling entitled to the best looking, most successful person for a relationship. When you're not bringing that to the table, these are problems. And it's problems because we focus on the margin. Dating, jobs, politics. It's very interesting, isn't it? 
to take it a little further, especially with what's happening in this, that, that as, as the media and certain politicians and activists continue to fan the flames of division, dividing and conquering is, is, is the greatest tool the left has against America because they know that united, and they know that what unites us is far more than what divides us. United, we, we can't be broken down. But instead, we've turned back the time and are now dividing people based on things they didn't choose, things they were born into, skin color, ethnicity, stuff we should have moved on from, and many of us and most of us have. But again, the margin, the margin is what's getting the attention. The 1% on both sides on the far fringes, the the fringes that are so far out there, they actually meet on the other side of the sphere. Two sides of the same coin that just needs to be tossed overboard. Calling everything racist. Racism is in the margin. It's so few and far between, but we hear about it so much, we've been conditioned to believe that Racism is just constantly around us. And there are really bad examples of racism and prejudice in our communities and in our societies. But it is not systemic. Not anymore. We've talked about this before. The past is the past. We've learned from it. We're moving forward. There is no area in life where race holds you back. Not anymore. Where sex holds you back. Not anymore. This is the 21st century. 2021. Quit allowing the narrative to be stolen by those on the fringe. The Eric Deem Show is a bridge to reality. And we're going to walk toward reality, away from all of the cities that are burning and on fire. So much for the party of peace and unity, love and happiness. Yeah, that's not there anymore, is it? I thought all this was going to go away. When the cities are on fire, who wins? the authoritarian control, government. It's government versus all, folks. The sooner we learn that, the sooner we realize we can all be in this thing together and we can take our country back and we can preserve it and we can co-lead it with our elected people and not be forced to focus on the margin. Yes, we can't forget the margin exists, especially the marginalized. There are truly folks out there that need help, especially in the mental illness, poverty, socioeconomic problems. Are, are still very, very present, especially where I, from where I hail in the Appalachian region. The forgotten white working class, if we want to put demographic qualifiers on it. This is in large part why, why Trump is the, was the, and still is, the Molotov cocktail that the majority of Americans threw in because they felt forgotten. Again, because they're forced to focus on the margins. I think a lot of times we pit those who are successful. Well, we are forced into this dichotomy where success is bad and we have to attack the haves when really it's just rooted in jealousy. Instead of being a victim and choosing the jealous path, do the hard work required to make yourself and your own situation better. That is the answer. You know, 
When Mrs. Craig would send back an assignment, I would write, she would use the margin to point out ways to improve the body. And that's what we need to do. Don't throw away the margin. Let it serve its purpose. Its purpose is, however, not for us to follow and completely give up on everything in the body of the text, the, body, the, the main aspect of the sheet of paper. No, we use the margin to correct, to self-correct, to get input for correction, to improve at times, to find things that we may, haven't, we may not have thought about, things we may need to improve upon. But the main narrative is never in the margin. And that is what we must remember.